I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and I'm going to come to you first, Jerry Taylor. We have uh, the, um, the the Shamrock Shadow in our midst, but we're going to have to come up with a new nickname because James French is there in all his Technicolor <coughs> glory. Welcome to the show, guys. Uh, lots to discuss. We've got the game back this weekend, Celtic versus Motherwell. And as Scottish football often does, it serves us up a tremendous tagline as an independent, in inverted commas, review has shown that every single VAR decision against Celtic is 100% accurate. Jerry Taylor, you couldn't write it. Well, that's that. That's, they've said it. It's, it's true. We move on, eh? Absolute joke. See if I had the time. I'd go through them all individually, genuinely. But I feel like we're repeating ourselves over and over again. And it's that whole thing that hangs over you, the paranoia. It's generally not. It's there for all to see. I'm getting sick of it. Um, just like you were saying just before it, I usually battle you on the fact that we just need out of Scottish football, but I'm starting to see it myself now. Because I like the romance of going to all the, the other grounds and stuff, but if that's what it takes, it's a... Uh, I, I just, you'd sent me just before we'd come on as well, so I've not looked too much into it, but from from what I'm hearing, it's the usual the usual yeah. stuff that's spoken. Well, the thing is, Jerry, right, as a Celtic fan growing up, going to the games uh, in supporters clubs from all over Fife, big shout out to people like Ding, who used to ring, run the Oakley bus, um, and Jockey Munion down in the Blair Hall bus, used to come from the villages, and you would have discussions, and you're a wee, a wee guy listening to you know, the older generation who knew their stuff, knew their history. And I was a sponge listening to this. And then you would read fanzines. I was into fanzines at a very, very young age. And I was immersing myself in this, this situation where we were oppressed um, as a football team in Scottish football. And you can clip 
this for memes, all you like, all the trolls that come in to watch this show that are not of a Celtic state of mind. Um, because it's true. It's as simple as that. The refereeing is abysmal. It favours one club and one club only who have now gone, um, was it 67 games without conceding a penalty kick? And if you extend it even further back, it goes into the hundreds of games having conceded a couple of penalties. It, the whole thing's um, shambolic in my view. And if Celtic are a forward-thinking uh, club and company and they want to fulfil and maximise the potential of this global brand that has been built up over uh, almost 140 years, then we can't do it where we are. We can't do it where the game's rigged. Uh, people snigger at that. How can the game be rigged? We win in spite of all this. You know, this is the situation that we're in. Um, we've sometimes got a quarter of the teams in the top division in Scotland playing on substandard plastic pitches. Uh, we've got situations where we can't get to away games. The whole thing, you know, we went for seasons without sponsors for our main tournaments. The game is shambolic. Celtic are a shining beacon uh, of success within a tin pot game, which is Scottish football. And this is yet another example of it. James, an independent review panel uh, tasked by the SFA. You could have asked us last week how this would have, you know, uh, been resulted. And, you know, the summary is, let's just uh, pretend everything's not all right and move on. We've got a tin pot VAR system that's working just fine, fine and dandy. What do you make of it, James? Yeah, I think VAR in, in England and Scotland's kind of obviously been, um, especially in Scotland, it's been uh, heavily criticised, which is, which is rightly so. Some of the decisions not just against Celtic, but some decisions in general have been crazy. But um, I think the SFA investors getting the SFA, like it was never going to be much of a, there was never going to be much fingers pointed towards themselves. Like um, I don't think it's ever good when an organisation is in, in investigating themselves like um, for any wrongdoing. But yeah, listen, Brennan Rogers and Celtic, they'll just kind of carry on. I don't think he'll probably not be paying too much attention to it. Um, I don't think, obviously we've had decisions against us this season, but Listen, we shouldn't really be um, looking for excuses in domestically, especially with referees and stuff. I think um, we obviously just, with obviously our resources and stuff, we should be kind of winning these games without the help of, without the help of VAR, without the help of refereeing. But um, even with that, like it's it is baffling some of the some of the decisions this season, and I don't think it's going to change unless I don't know. It's kind of even without VAR, I think these probably be even more decisions, refer bad refereeing decisions. It's kind of just. A systemic problem in uh, Scottish football or referees, and it's the same here in Ireland. It's referees get a bit um kind of a bad, a bad rep, but um yeah, especially in Scotland, I think the refereeing, the standard refereeing is is really really poor. It is, James. I'm going to come to you for specialist knowledge during this show to fill us in on the situation with Ireland in the football sense. Um, but Jungle Lion brings up afternoon from Crazy Dublin, and I just hope you know everybody out there is uh, keeping safe. We know what's been happening. We've been seeing it unfold, and it's horrific to see. Um, thoughts and prayers with those injured um, at the school as well. So horrible scenes to see, and, and that's a priority over everything else. Football comes um, you know, a distant second when things like that are happening. Hopefully everybody out there is okay. When we talk about uh, the SFA, the standard of refereeing, uh, I always use it as an opportunity to implore anyone out there who's into Celtic literature to go out and seek out a book called Celtic's Paranoia, All in the Mind by 
in my opinion, the best Celtic author of all time, Tom Campbell. Um, he wrote that book. He's now based in Canada. Um, I don't know how difficult it is to actually get because it's been out of print for a while. Pretty sure you can buy it, uh, download it. But Celtic's Paranoia, seek it out. It's a phenomenal uh, book, very, very balanced. And it, you know, it doesn't just take it, even though Tom is a lifelong Celtic fan, doesn't just take it from a Celtic perspective. So I always, always pitch that book every single time we talk about uh, all being in the mind. Is it a Celtic state of mind? Who knows? Um, let us know your thoughts in the comment section. Um, Neil well, O'Donnell. Well, sorry, sorry mate. Just to interject there. So this is the thing to say about the paranoia as well. This is why we need to be making a stand just now when we're in a position of winning. Because mm. when we're not, when if we're losing, it's like, oh, sour grapes. We're doing it now when we're still winning. We're still top of the league. And that's, aye, that's, that's basically all I had to say on that one, Paul John. No, I agree, Jerry. because if, if you're um, under the cosh, a couple of points behind in a title race and you're second, etc., it looks as though you're looking for excuses to try and claw back the deficit. Whilst you're in a position of strength, this is when you need to stand up. And I think there's been so many occasions. People come round to the AGMs, for example, and a lot of Celtic fans, and this is, this is just the nature of it, a lot of Celtic fans don't want to hear uh, people bringing up issues from the past. People don't want to hear about Resolution 12 and uh, EBTs and stripping titles. A lot of Celtic fans don't. They want to move on from it. Listen, everybody's got different views on it. I think the issue with that is that it was never robustly dealt with by our board, the board who largely are still in place. Um, so I don't think we're uh, strong enough in that in that respect and, and we should be a lot stronger in taking people to task. Neil O'Donnell, Thank God the international break is over. Can't wait for the game tomorrow. Yes, we're going to be focusing on Celtic versus Motherwell. But before we do that, um, the final word, I think, on the international break should come to yourself, James. We've got a bit of specialist knowledge, as I was saying. Um, and obviously, we had a couple of Celts in the squads, um, the final squads, as it turned out, of Stephen Kenny's Ireland. Uh, Mikey Johnston tearing it up uh, on an international level. And of course, Liam Scales continuing his rise, um, his resurgence this season. But of course, Kenny gets sacked and a couple of Celtic names have been thrown in the hat. Bring us right up to date with everything Ireland. Yeah, I think kind of the Ireland national team is probably at the opposite end of the spectrum to the, the Scotland one at the moment. Uh, obviously, yourselves after qualifying for the Euros and we're kind of just stagnating at the moment, I'd say, with the we have a lot of lot of young talent coming up, um, under-21s, etc., and it's kind of just not happening at the moment. Kenny's obviously, um, he's obviously gone. Um, Neil Lennon being linked to the job, which I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't be in favour of. But yeah, it's it's kind of, it's unsure who they're going to go for next. Lee Carsley's probably the main guy a lot of people want. Um, manager English under twenty ones at the moment, won the Euros with them in the summer. He's he's kind of the main, um, the bookies favourite and a lot of people's favourite as well. But uh, yeah, over the last international break, obviously the couple of Celtic guys there, Liam Scales, Mikey Johnson, and Scales started in starting in the Netherlands against them. So that's another one kind of ticked off his bucket list. Like he's he's played in a lot of big stadiums and a lot of big games this season. And that's kind of just that's going to be really good for him in the future. But if he wherever he goes next, even after Celtic or if he stays here for um, the next couple of years, like. This year has been absolutely brilliant for his development in terms of the, the games he's played in and the stadiums he's played in. Um, Mikey Johnson, then he obviously he started in the friendly against New Zealand, and he was our kind of our bright spark. Like he's he's obviously a divisive subject among Celtic fans, and um, which I have I have my doubts about Mikey myself, but 
in an Ireland shirt. Like he's been an absolute breath of fresh air. Like um, I seen a stat the other day that he's the second most completed dribbles in the whole qualifying campaign out of out of everyone. Which is I think Lukaku is the only one with more, which is just kind of crazy. Like, um, but considering he can't really get a look in a Celtic, but it's kind of that just the same old thing of Mikey is is end product at times in the final third kind of lets him down. But yeah, if if he kind of played with that freedom as he plays with Ireland for Celtic, I think he could really add something to the add something to the game, even coming off the bench. But um, he seems to really just kind of play really freely when he plays for Ireland. I don't know what it is. I think he probably feels a lot of pressure playing for Celtic with the fans and stuff. And I, I think that doesn't really help him. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, he's probably had a bit of a crossroad himself in his career. And it'll be interesting to see in January whether he's loaned out or he's or he's given a chance um, in the team, which I, I kind of would doubt would happen. Yeah, you're right. It, it, it's one of these ones where he's got all the tricks, right? He's got it all up his sleeve, um, and he's displayed that whilst playing on an international stage, Jerry. and people can look at opponents and all this kind of stuff. He's playing games, and he's playing well. Um, I, I make the point about Mikey Johnson every time he comes up, and the reason he's coming up is because he's performed well, so we're, we're giving him plaudits for that. But I always make the point, he's now 24, Jerry, and bizarrely enough, uh, the way that um, his debut worked, this is going to be, in fact, this is the eighth campaign that he's been a Celtic first-team player, right? So that that is bizarre in itself. Eight. Eight. Wow. This is his eighth campaign, and I know that one of them last season, of course, was, was spent um, elsewhere. He was on loan, and he played more games last season um, in one campaign than he ever has done for Celtic, right? And I think that speaks volumes as well because it shows that he's never really established himself under any of the, the numerous managers now that he's played under. But if you're looking at eight campaigns, and I know that the campaign's got a while to run, he's only made 81 appearances, not all of which were starts. Um, and, and, you know, that kind of level, that is a stark, stark statistic. You know, I make the point of bringing in a goalkeeper, which is slightly different, and Scott Bain who has made 75 appearances for Celtic or something, you know? And, and it's like, these guys have been at the club for years and they're averaging like nine or 10 games a season. Um, and on, on that point, had he looked as though Brendan Rodgers was favouring them, then I guess I would be looking at January thinking, right, you know what, maybe maybe there's still a, an opportunity. But he's been used one time this season by Brendan as a substitute against Easter Road. And after the game, Jerry, it's not as though Brennan was singing his praises. He actually, there was a wee bit of criticism in there, a wee bit of feedback in there after the game. So, you know, I know we have been over this road before. I think James is one of the boys, uh, not James, I think Mikey is one of the boys. James is fine. He's he's doing just fine. We can see him and everyone up there. I think Mikey is one of the guys that we need to move on in January. And it needs to be not just for the betterment of our squad, Jerry, so you can get somebody else in the jersey who's contributing. But for the boys, 24-year-old, he's shown he can play. He needs to go and play. Aye, I totally agree. So I've got a long history eh, with Mikey Johnson. I don't know if anyone's aware oh, of him. Is this another situation well, where you've saved his bacon and he's due you a fish supper? Well, virtually I did. So I, I was the Air United manager on football manager for about eight years, right? Right. So I was doing really well. And I scouted Mikey Johnson. I was playing this years back and I scouted him from the Celtic under-19s for Air United and he got player of the year. I loaned him. Player of the year, and I was like, that's what got me on to knowing about this guy. And then all of a sudden, he starts coming into the first team. So I was telling all my mates, oh, doing that usual. I was like, watch this boy, man. He is a great player because he was scouted really, really highly in a football manager game. So I was a keen interest from the start. However, for a couple of reasons, he's got to move on in January. Mm. 
for your mental health, mate, because I don't want you to do another pre-season where you're having to talk about Mikey Johnson again, whether he's going to stay, whether he's going to go. That, this is that, it. We've tracked his entire career, I think, here at Celtic State of Mind, you know? You can video diary, just clips of all the, the episodes talking about him. But when it comes to Brendan, you never know. Like, right now, I'm, I'm 99.9% sure he's going to go, especially going by the sound bites when Brendan was saying this week that he's going to get a lot of players out and he's only going to bring in quality and I think this is, we're going to see a real a, a real kind of chop up job in January and he's got, I think he's going to be quite ruthless whether it's a loan whether it's just sell them for what we can get he needs them out and he needs to get strength in and I'm excited by that and I can't see where Mikey Johnson fits into that at all barring the board um... I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Doing something that's not, not like them, like... No paying the money for certain players. I just don't see it. I don't I don't see a future for him. I'm I'm happy that he's doing so well with Ireland because for two reasons he's gonna get himself a better move than what he would have done just by sitting on the bench and for his club and his country. But also for Celtic, we might get a little bit more than what we thought for him because he has a an international. He's just not I just think he's got heedless chicken vibes at times. I really want him to do well. But like you were saying, James, mate, it's as if he plays better for Ireland because there's less pressure. Does he feel more pressure? Or is it a case of, and this is not a slight on Ireland, I think there's some amazing players on the team, but the quality Celtic's got in the team, does he stand out more when he's playing with Ireland than he would when he was the surrounding players of Celtic? And I know that's going to get me criticism, and I'm not downplaying Ireland at all. But yeah, like I say, I, I can't see him fitting in. I would love it to happen because then I would have been able to tell everyone that I'd scouted him years ago for Air United and I saw it before any of the rest of you. You saw it first. You saw it first. Saw it. The thing with uh, football manager, if there are any um, fans of the game out there, I've never ever been into it, Jerry, and I'll tell you why. It's, it's actually a decision that I made. I'm old school, right? I used to play championship manager when the players' names weren't even genuine, right? They were made up. Right, they were made up names, random names. Exactly. That's how long I've been into it. But I know at this day and age, I don't have half a day to lose. Um, you know, where you start a game and you think to yourself, I'll just play for half an hour and then three days later you're still playing it. Uh I can't do it. I don't have enough time to do it. I've got a bullet in every single day. That is why I don't go near it because it's addictive, Jerry. Some guys, some guys will get to the final of a cup and they'll wear the suit and everything. Oh, you seen that, you seen that James? They wear a suit. Some, there was a documentary about a guy that lost like five relationships, five marriages. It's like, surely with the fifth wife would have went, this guy's got a problem. So I love, I love the game, but um, I don't have time for it. But anyway, never mind your managerial skills on. Like, I, I saw your video of your free kick today, didn't I? Oh, that, you'd stop. that was majestic, mate. That was delicious. It was, uh, but Jerry, I don't like talking about it. I, you know, I don't like bringing it up. But um, what I'm going to do, because again, old school, that was a that was an original pair of Adidas Predators uh, that were obviously responsible for said free kick. And uh, I wish I had thought about this earlier. I probably couldn't have found them. I have found them since. I'm going to get John Collins to sign them because 
if you think in Predators, in, in the world of Celtic, you think John Collins. He was the man that scored more goals wearing a pair of Predator football boots than anybody else uh, in a Celtic jersey. Really looking... at John Collins, because I don't think I spoke about it since the event, but I want to say this on record. Do you know something? He's one of the funniest, nicest guys I've ever met, and I was so shocked because his persona on camera was not like that, but... He had me in tears. He was doing impressions and everything. He was such he was, a nice guy. He was up the stairs dancing. Yeah. I, I, I guess it's it's a lesson to be learned, Jerry, because you build a perception of an individual based on what? Based on them actually conducting themselves in a professional environment. So you're listening to pre-match press conferences, post-match interviews, all this kind of stuff. They're playing a part. They are, they are to all extents and purposes, playing a part when they're on screen. Then you meet them. And you think, wait a minute, right. you know, I always thought he was probably really highly strong on that. Good laugh, as you say, doing the impressions, winding up Cadetti and laughing at the fact that he was wearing a bum bag, That's singing and dancing up the stairs. Good guy. John you know Collins the, is a good the guy. The Scottish press posh spiced John Collins. And That's they, what they did. They, did. Mm-hmm. they made him look like he was like, oh, I love him. And by the way, just seeing how we've, we've digressed here, uh, on the John Collins <laughs> subject, Collins was, for me, he was before his time. I mean, I remember doing a wee bit of research into one of my books and, and I had to read into uh, Stanley Matthews, who you'll have heard of, even if you don't have a great knowledge of Stanley Matthews. And Stanley Matthews was before his time when it came to diet. And he was doing things way back, before anybody else. Um, and he was done, doing a lot of research on it as well. And he, he would do things, Jerry, like fasting when nobody was doing that, you know, just to rid the toxins of your body and all this kind of stuff. We're talking in the 1950s here, Stanley Matthews. And then you get up to uh, John Collins, Collins, who, you know, I've spoken to people who played alongside him or who were young guys at Celtic. Apparently, he was an absolute anomaly, you know, in terms of his fitness, his conditioning. If you shared a room with him and you were watching the telly, he would be on the floor doing sit-ups whilst watching the TV. You know, he couldn't just sit with a packet of crisps or something like most normal people. He would actually be training whilst he was watching the TV. And what happened, I think, was um, I asked him the question, you'll remember, you know, what, where that came from, that obsessive nature that he had. And he said it was because he wasn't good enough. He wasn't big and strong enough when he was a wee guy growing up trying to make it as a footballer. So he developed brilliant habits and he continued uh, to implement them throughout his career. I think where it's maybe fallen down a wee bit is when he goes into management, Jerry, and he's got a dressing room and there's a culture and it's difficult for him to implement his obsession into, let's say, a squad of 20, 25 guys who like a bevy and like a kebab and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, John Collins gets my vote. I think he's, uh, he's, he's much misunderstood, Jerry, I would suggest. Yeah. So oh, his definitely. life. Definitely. So life. He's madder than me. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I seen your TikTok video last night. But Joe Hamilton, some things will never change in Scotland, and the SFA is top of that list. As I say, I know that this is part of the issue, right? You talk out about it, and all of a sudden, the you know you've got every meme and every gif following um, social media posts in relation to you being a moon howler and a paranoid android and etc 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 you can't have an adult discussion with anyone uh, within the realms of Scottish football outside of Celtic uh, where they, they just basically turn around and think they're paranoid but Joe you're absolutely spot on and I'm going to bring in Alan Robertson Alan good to hear from you team changes for tomorrow to accommodate Tuesday match versus Lazio is the question or do we prioritise the league and put all our eggs in the league for the moment. 
it's a decent it's a decent question to ponder, James, because I think by his very nature, Brendan Rodgers wants to maybe make up for the bad result against Atletico Madrid. Uh, absolutely, no doubt. You want to go certainly away from home as well against Lazio, we your strongest side. But he knows the importance of the lead that we've got, you know, going into the new year. Um, so I don't think it's, uh, you know, putting one to the side and prioritising Tuesday night. I think it's far more on both occasions playing your best team. I mean, we've got a situation, and James McKenzie wrote about it on the blog, where, you know what, the chances of Celtic um, having European football after Christmas are slim to none. But until the, the light is switched off, and thankfully we've switched it back on with you, James, we will continue to try and obviously get points on the board. Because the way I look at it, James, in Europe this season, last season we won two points. We got two points last in the last campaign. Anything more is progress, albeit slim pickings. So my take on it, to answer Alan's uh, question, is we'll play a full-strength squad uh, team tomorrow and we'll do exactly the same during the week. Um, do you think he, he picks his team tomorrow with one eye on Tuesday night, James? Um, I, th- I think for the Atletico Madrid game, he kind of he kind of did that the weekend before, but uh, it kind of all depends on what Rodgers feels going into the game. If injuries, if there's some players maybe he thinks that deserve a rest after international break, um, i.e. Matt O'Reilly maybe, I, think, you know, I know he's involved for Denmark um, against Northern Ireland, obviously. Not sure if he played the full 90 now, but he was definitely involved for a significant uh, portion of the game. kind of just depends on what Rodgers is feeling towards the match, if if he feels like he can rest guys looking ahead to Tuesday, but I think it'll probably be, knowing Rodgers will probably be more, nearly an all full-strength lineup on um, tomorrow, and then he'll kind of, maybe he'll take Matt Riley after after, after 45 minutes if, if things are going well and rest him for Tuesday, but I think it'll it'll probably be kind of fairly full-strength tomorrow, and maybe a couple of the key guys will come off with, with 25 to go and give them a rest for Tuesday. But it's kind of whatever our situation in Europe is, you want to give yourself the best chance of doing well and and picking up results no matter no matter what the situation is, whether we can qualify or not, you want to you want to be given these guys the development of playing in Europe and it's the only way you're going to get better if if we really go at it and give our best players opportunities to, to play at the highest level, we're going to do better the next year and and then keep going like that because you're kind of only kidding yourself if you're if you're putting out putting out a poor team in Europe. I remember Andrew's first season with the the Bodo Glimp game. I think yeah. he kind yeah. of sacrificed uh, he sacrificed that game with a view, look to the league and qualifying for the Champions League. But I think it's kind of a naive way to look at it. And um, you can you can kind of it's all about balance, really. Like you can you can maybe rest one or two guys on Saturday and with a view to Tuesday, but you're not going to rotate like a, a full a full eleven, obviously, or, or even half an eleven. Um, I think you just have to. Rodgers will want to um, improve in Europe, and the only way to do that is is by playing your your best eleven and giving them that experience of playing away from home in Europe and in a really tough place to go in in, in Rome. I think it's a great point you make because um, Brendan Rodgers definitely is far more likely, Jerry, to make those changes in game, isn't he? So it's like yeah. he's maybe looking half an hour before the end of the game, put Motherwell to bed, no count my chickens. That, that's what I'm looking for tomorrow at Celtic Park. And then maybe half an hour before the, the end of the game, then you're bringing off three or four guys to give them a rest for Tuesday night, especially when you consider the travel and, and the international games that have been played by the likes of Callum McGregor. Did you see that heat map, Jerry, that Callum no. McGregor playing for Scotland? Oh, my No, I've not seen that. Oh, honestly, he is like a Duracell bunny. That, that's Callum <laughs> McGregor, right? And, you know, I made the point 
couple of weeks back about the fact that Callum McGregor played almost as much uh, game time at 26 as in one season as Nat Phillips has played in his entire career at the same age. And again, as I was saying to James beforehand, no matter what point you make, someone out there will think you're being negative or they will find a negative in it. For example, it's all right to wear a suit when you're playing football manager, but if you go to go and get an award, don't wear a suit. Now, Jerry, (laughs) (laughs) social media is a funny old world, isn't it? Franny, Franny Weldon from Maury. Nice to see Jerry has recovered from giving birth. Now, I don't want you to tell anybody what Franny's talking about, Jerry. Just right. go and check Jerry's social media pages out, in particular TikTok. It's TikTok. It's, it's actually, it's not my TikTok page. It's mine and Wido's, we Wido's TikTok page. It's called A Pair of Dafties. However, someone come up with a great idea today now. Why didn't you call it your page Jockass instead of Jackass? I was like, oh, that would have been much better. Nice. Much better. So, yes. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, I've recently become a mother. So if you want to check out TikTok pages, a pair of dafties on TikTok. Get it but checked out for a bit of light relief and see <laughs> our Jerry in agonising pain. Um, Just on the, see on the Brendan Rodgers uh, with the, the, the game coming up. I think it will be a dress rehearsal team that he's going to use for uh, the European game. We've had a lot of time over the international break. They're still hurting from Atletico. So I think he's going to use that get the rust off them from international break uh, and then, like you say, once we've got, if we get a good lead against Motherwell, we can start resting players. But I want to make a prediction and I know I shouldn't make these predictions because, uh, but that's the thing about predictions. You've got to commit, don't you, Paul John? You've yeah. got to commit to it. No matter what my history with predictions is you like. go right in, studs up. I'm going for it, you ready? We are going to smash Lazio and I think it's going to be one of our best performances in Europe. I think we've been, we're wound up. I'm 3-0, exactly, mate. I'm, I'm going 3-0. We're due one, and it's not going to be one of those. You know, it's not going to be one of those that we're just going to go over the line. We've no one in so long. It's going to be a hammering. We're going to smash them. Remember we went away and we got a result, and it was kind of similar to that. Was it Anderlecht away? You remember that? Anderlecht away in Brendan's first tenure. And we've gone and we've got this result. We just plucked out of nowhere. It was just tremendous. Listen, Lazio at home, and I know... Oh, you just have to look at Atletico Madrid to know that the, there is a disparity with the home advantage. But Lazio at home, I never seen anything that night that thought you know made me think that the the level of quality was such that we can't beat them um, on a, a, another given night. When you look at the draw against Atletico Madrid, I think the quality was obviously there, even in the two each draw, Jerry. I mean, the changes that Simone made at half time, for example, you knew that Brennan Rodgers had you know ten minutes to look at that and thought we're going to have to completely change your shape to, to live with these guys. So you've seen the quality. I didn't quite see that against Lazio. What I've seen against Lazio was in very, very uh, many ways, and, and you know it's a, a big regret of mine so far this season, we had them rattled um, and we should have got a result. And there was two moments in the game that completely flipped on its head. And the first, obviously, being Palmer's goal, you know, the bootlaces in Maeda. Um, and then Carter Vickers, the least likely player in the Celtic squad to make a defensive error, makes a defensive error. They two moments completely flipped the game on its head. And uh, But I'm going in and I'm confident. I'm maybe not 3-0 win confident, Jerry, but I'm confident and I love your positivity. Um, let us know what you think in the comment section, as always. This is a Celtic State of Mind, the now six-time award-winning platform. And I say that for all the people 
who like to give a stick for winning awards, which is another social <laughs> media thing. I cannot get my head around. There we go. Uh, Michael Ross, 2.5 million a win in the Champions League, so go for the win in Europe. Yes, absolutely go for the win uh, in Europe. I think I agree with James. We'll probably um, do some in-house uh, squad rotation uh, during the game that will benefit us against Lazio. Mikey boy, he'll hail everyone and he'll hail to you. A lot is at stake this season in terms of Champions League money with the new format. Yeah, new format means that you're, you know, if you, if you qualify for the Champions League, you're going to get eight games. You're going to be playing games beyond Christmas anyway. That lot across town need that money. Expect plenty more honest mistakes with VAR. We have to be at the top of our game. And with that in mind, Mikey, um, I think also you need a strong board to be able to fight our corner. And that's what annoys me, uh, James, about the situation at the moment with the Green Brigade. Because we're up against it, as it is. you know. And, and I'll go back to Brendan Rodgers' uh, first time round, and I, I always mention this. He, he spoke about the Holy Trinity, where... If we all pull together, you know, management team and players, fans and the board, we're almost an unstoppable force. This is why I hate when there's a fracture in that relationship. Last time round, the fracture was between Brendan and the board. This time round, it's the fans and the board. Um, And because once you breach that, you're just not going to be as strong. Um, And particularly if you want to talk about the fact that SFA choose to see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil when it comes to VAR. And they say that every single decision against Celtic that has gone through VAR has been correct. Then you need to have a united force. You can't have this fractured nature of the fans against the board. Yet, we're sitting here the day before the game, James. It's not been sorted out. There's going to be the action, positive action, by the Green Brigade tomorrow. They're meeting up back at one on the Celtic way to... Uh, welcome the team into the stadium. They won't be in the park, obviously, because they're banned. What's your take on it, James? Can it be resolved? And when do you think it can be resolved? Yeah, listen, I think, like you've seen, obviously, during the lockdown season, how crucial fans are to, to not just the football, but to Celtic itself. Like, it's very much a family club, and without that kind of element of the Green Brigade in, in your corner, backing you all the way, it's it definitely makes games harder. And obviously, for the for the kind of home games where you're you're facing um, teams in the Scottish League, obviously you're expecting to win and maybe it doesn't have as big an effect. But say for the European nights, when I think we have Feyenoord, is Feyenoord at home last game of the Champions League? If if it's not resolved by then, like we're at a serious disadvantage to like to win in that game and getting a result. Um, like we're we're at disadvantage in itself in Europe in terms of obviously the gap in gap in quality and the gap in, in, in kind of finances as well and you don't have the if you don't have your don't have the Green Brigade backing you in the corner, you don't have them providing the atmosphere, it makes it easier for teams to come to Celtic Park and and be comfortable and play their game, which you never want to you never want that to happen in Europe considering the quality of, of teams that are in the Champions League. Like and it's definitely something that needs to be resolved as as soon as possible. I think a lot of fans probably have a even before this whole thing with the Green Brigade, probably had a bit of an indifferent relationship with the Green Brigade. Some people have their views on them, whatever, which is fair enough. But I don't think anyone can sit there and say that they they shouldn't be allowed in Celtic Park or anything like that. I think it's it's just kind of wrong, to be honest. Um, they yeah. paid to go to the games and they should be let into the stadium, and hopefully they can resolve it as soon as possible because it's just it's only gonna it's just making it a challenge for for the players and stuff. You're you're playing in a stadium every week. That's 
that's backing you all the way and it's providing a brilliant atmosphere to play your football in and then all of a sudden that's gone it's it's bound to have had some sort of effect on the players when they're playing like it, it would it would because it's just you're so used to having having the fans behind you and you don't have that atmosphere anymore it would it would affect um how well you're going to play and stuff but yeah I think it's best for everyone if they just resolve it as soon as possible and I'm, I'm not really sure the time frame but you'd want to have it resolved before before the final game at home anyway because we're we're going to really need need um, the fans backing us giving us a brilliant atmosphere for that one totally it's the Madden's James you're talking the final game Rangers game at home um, I, I do believe in energy and there was no energy in, in Celtic Park listen people will say it was the same for everyone I get it but in terms of the influence of Celtic fans to the team I think and other ex-players have actually pointed this out to us during the live events it was a major factor did we want to believe it at the time, Jerry? No, because you just want to blame the players, blame Neil Lennon, blame the board. But then you're starting to think, right, this, all the circumstances, it was a perfect storm that season. Yeah, we didn't buy well enough. And uh, also, you know, the, the whole strategy just wasn't right. There was players kept who, you know, I can understand why the, the club kept them uh, because no one was really spending money during the pandemic and you wanted to hold on to your players. Even though when we finally sold the likes of Ayer and, and Edward, we lost money on... Their, their highest, their peak values the year before. I get it all. But we're keeping players that didn't want to be at the club and then Neil Lennon calls them out, hoping that it's going to G them up. It works in the opposite direction and et cetera, et cetera. But the one thing we probably didn't focus on during the pandemic, strangely enough and ironically enough, was the fact that we weren't there. Mm. And that, that was playing possibly one of the biggest parts as well, mm. because it is. It's the energy. It's a positive energy, Jerry. It's you know, knowing that you make one wrong decision or one error or you're not putting the effort in and and you'll know all about it. And at the same time, you know, that lift when you hear um, and see the displays and, and you hear the chants, it, it is very important. I'm not overplaying this. I think it's hugely important to our success. We need to get it sorted out, Jerry. It's massive. I'm a massive fan of the Green Brigade. Oh, I used the word massive twice in a row there. That was terrible, wasn't yeah. it? Overused, was yeah. Overused. So I, it, I'm a huge, huge fan of the Green Brigade now. Analogy to So, <laughs> Celtic's a family, right? The way I see the Green Brigade, right? This isn't going to end. Even when we, it ends now, it's never going to end, right? This is going to happen for years and years because the Green Brigade is like that. Do you know that mad uncle that always comes to the functions that you love? And the functions aren't the same without him. And sometimes he'll do something a bit mad, but he's a good guy, right? And he took something in Glastonbury in 1974, another quite that's, that's it. The that, that uncle, right, right, yeah. But what Celtic need to realise is this uncle is all about the family, all right? And he might say things that they don't like, but he's still part of the family. And without him, the functions are boring. We need him back, so... Going to invite my uncle back, please. And uh, it's going to happen again, like I say, because there's so much passion. Everything involved with Celtic, the history, what we're all about. Nobody talks to Green Brigade. Their statements, their TIFOs, the, the messages they send out, the awareness all around the globe that they bring to Celtic. This is madness. You're taking away from the rest of the fans as well, not just the Green Brigade. It's a Something needs to change. Good luck to them tomorrow. I am actually dying to see what they do. I'm dying to see what they do tomorrow. So good luck to everyone involved in that. But come on, Celtic. Let's get them round the table. Let's talk because we need them back. 
Let's sort it out. Obviously, a Celtic state of mind goes out on all the audio platforms it has done since day one. And just to confirm, Jerry was opening a tin of Iron Brew. That's what was being opened on Celtic State of Mind. Just <laughs> to confirm, for anyone who's no watching the show. But I'm going to give a big shout out to our friends at the Green uh, Sunrise Podcast, <laughs> Jerry. Uh, a couple of months back, I went through to, to meet the boys, Paul. Um, we Wido, that's where I met um, Ada as well. So you went through yesterday to record your episode. Big shout out to the guys. When are we going to be able to watch that? Next week, maybe, sometime? Hopefully. It might be the weekend. It might be next week. So I get invited down um, to talk about, basically, I've been talking about 12 step-wise. I don't think they were ready for it. Like It, it got quite deep. I opened up about a lot, but it's the last time that I'm going to do it about my life. There's been... A documentary, can I follow me about a, a team of students that are making a documentary film about me? But I wanted, I didn't want it to be about me, but about about what alcohol and the damage it can do to someone's life, but use my journey as the vessel to get that, mm-hmm. that out there. It's been quite, I'm drained, mate. It's been a lot of soul searching and a lot of things have happened during it. It's been quite cathartic. So I opened up on it and it's about mental health and stuff. So if you get a chance to watch it, the guys on it are brilliant, very sensitive about the subject. And uh, I had Wee Wido on it with me, Ada, and he was a great support. But it was good. It was good to get out. It's still a laugh as well. We have some fun, but it's it's probably one of the deepest dives you'll ever see me take in the last one. Because after that, ever my past going to the past, and I just want to focus on the future because that's that's what it's all about. Definitely, Jerry. I think that's an important part, though. An important part of your journey, isn't it? Uh, to to talk about it and put it out there. Uh, no, fantastic. Well done. I'm really looking forward to it. You know the documentary, guys? <laughs> so when they made it, they thought it was going to be like a half-hour documentary. And in the first meeting, I spoke for two and a half hours. <laughs> and the guy was like, do you even realise how mental you are? No. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be more like Better Call Saul. It just keeps running and running and Aye. running. Aye. Eight series on Netflix. Absolutely. Uh, Sorry for cutting you off again, mate, but we need a title, right, for this documentary. So if anyone's got any ideas, my, like my mum's come up with things like Jerry Taylor Unmaster, things that are sillier when sober. I don't know, but we need something that's about about the 12 steps. So if anyone's got any ideas, file them at us. Bring, bring them on, hi. I'm going to bring up something that, that was mentioned earlier about one of your... your That's a good uh, title. <laughs> no, this, this actually was for a different reason. Joseph McGonagall says Groundhog Day, and I think um, you're referring... Joseph, to the situation that we face at the moment with the SFA, of course, uh, this this came in quite early in the discussion, and yeah, we, we are we're operating in a a league that, for me, we've outgrown. Listen, that isn't me being elitist. I just think that Celtic have outgrown uh, the parameters of Scottish football, um, and you know, I think that there has been occasions in the past where we've probably been one of the drivers in creating a platform elsewhere. And I think there's going to be clubs in uh, other countries and other leagues who are feeling as frustrated as Celtic when you look at the the big half dozen clubs and the the virtual invite-only Champions League as it's becoming and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, it's a Champions League. You, let's change the name of that if you're not a champion of your, your country then. And I think that in my lifetime it would be good to see uh, rather than just say, ah, we're, we're, you know, we're a Scottish club and we deserve it and we, we, we've got to, we belong in Scotland and all this kind of stuff. Every single time something like this happens makes me wonder if they want us. You know, every time uh, a Scottish team locks our fans out, Jerry, I, I think to myself, do they want Celtic here? Do they want our fans in the stadium? Um, and, you know, this kind of decision and this kind of outcome of this report, this independent review, 
just uh, you know adds to it. There's been so much so much controversy around um, Scottish football refereeing in recent times, um, but you know we hear more from the the high hegens uh, in the SFA when Kyogo's marginally offside or not against Hearts. You know it, it, that's the situation that we're in. So the Scottish game, there's a lot wrong with it, and uh, I would much rather we plied our trade elsewhere. Derek, surely tomorrow's game is a time to rest some of the first picks and give some decent game time to the development players, or are we too cautious to do that? I think, uh, you know, Brendan Rodgers has thrown in a wee curveball from time to time this season, um, but I don't think there's going to be development players coming in. I don't think we're going to see guys that haven't had much game time. But on that note, and using Liam Scales as an example, um, you know, in the Mikey Johnson scenario that we're in, James McKenzie wrote a brilliant blog recently because we're talking about project players. And the minute you say project players, it's almost like it's a bad word when you're talking about recruitment. But the examples James was given were the ones that worked. Um, And I think that, you know, you could even say Liam Scales, right? Is Liam Scales or was Liam Scales a project player? Yes, he was. Because he's purchased for a nominal fee from Shamrock Rovers. You're not expecting them to walk right into the first team. You're not expecting them to start positively affecting Celtic in the Champions League. So maybe in 18 months or two years or two and a half years, you expect that progress to to happen. And obviously during that period, you didn't expect it to happen because he was out on loan and he didn't get a look in. But he was a project player and it's worked out for him. So James was explaining that development players not only uh, do the work from time to time, but they need game time. And that, that, that's what it comes down to, James. Liam Scales needed that run of games to show in his preferred position to show us what he could do. And I don't think in recent times Mikey Johnson said that, for example. Rocco Vatter certainly not had that. Um, you know, Kobayashi probably hasn't had that and we've written him off. You know, there's a lot of players in that squad who I would much rather see we get rid of in January. But with the caveat, they've not really had that run of games, have they? No, I, I listened to the, the podcast, I think it was early in the week or last weekend, with uh, Alan Morrison, mm-hmm. and he was talking about, um, obviously, kind of the the path to the first team at Celtic and, and how kind of the B team, um, them playing in the Lowland League, is, is flawed. I think he was kind of spot on. Like, it's 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 a tough situation to resolve for Celtic because they're obviously operating within the parameters of Scotland and, and the SFA and stuff, and obviously there's problems there, and... There's problems in general in Scotland, grassroots football in Scotland, obviously, with kind of um, a lot of the best talent obviously goes over to England and stuff. And from even the youngest age of 15, 16, and these guys aren't staying at the likes of not even Celtic anymore. They're they're going straight to England, which is they see as best for their development, which they're probably right in. But um, there's definitely a gap there in terms of Celtic's kind of players that are on the fringes, like even even Rocco Vata there, like probably the most talented academy prospect we've had in, in a number of years and he's kind of just been frozen out. Obviously, a lot of speculation around his future. But like even at the end of last season, Ange, the, in the post-split games, I think it was three or four games that we didn't have that didn't mean anything and Rocco Vata wasn't seen at all or any um, academy players for that for that um, fact, which is just crazy Like in terms of you're trying to bring, bring these guys through from the academy and you're not even playing them in games that don't mean anything. Um, which is mad, but yeah, I think there's there's a gap there in terms of players that are on the fringes and um, fringes of the first team, like your Kobayashi's Welsh, 
um, obviously Vata as well, and they need they need loan moves. I think you've seen you've seen Boston Loyal at Fleetwood. He's doing really well in League One. I think um, I think lower league lower leagues in England are probably the best way place to go for kind of Celtic development players. You've seen a lot of success with obviously McGregor went to Notts County and Lowell went to Fleetwood and stuff. And like these guys need to be given game time. And I don't think I know the the B team played a friendly against Dundee the other week and or mm. a few weeks ago. Um, I don't think that's really gonna um, really in, improve their development. That Celtic playing these kind of one-off games, they need to be given given a chance to play on loan or or given the odd chance in the first team, which isn't really happening at the moment. But um, yeah, there's definitely a, a serious gap there between the the fringe players in the first team, and it's kind of a situation that needs to be resolved. Some great suggestions coming through, Jerry, that I'm going to share with you. Uh, we do have a talented, creative bunch in the conversation of a Celtic state of mind. I've pulled two of my, my early favourites. Keep them coming. Um, what should a documentary on Jerry's life, which is currently being filmed uh, around his journey and the 12 steps, what should it be called? Right, here we go. We've got Robert Ingram saying, drink a tail or sober dry. That's good. That is very good. That's really like that. I'm, I'm writing these down, right? Drink it. That's, that's brilliant, by the way. Phenomenal. It's a phenomenal. Wow. Great movie as well. Check it out. Um, and Alistair Park comes in, 12 Steps to Paradise. Yes, I like that. Oh, he's pulling in the old Celtic heartstrings there. Absolutely is. Um, we've also got uh, Robbie coming in and supporting the channel. Thank you very much, Robbie. And your point is, um, right, James... Pronounce his name for me. Quivian Kelleher. Thank you. Definitely. Say that again. <laughs> Quivian Kelleher. Quivian. I would have said, I would have said Kaiman Kelleher. That's what I just said. One thing I hate doing is pronouncing people's names wrong. So thank you very much, James. Definitely worth looking at long term in regards. Keeper's January market to me means one thing a proven striker to put the titles to bed. Robbie, I don't disagree with that. And I'll tell you my thinking. I think. And I said yesterday, where I want to strengthen in the Celtic squad at this moment in time, if um, you know it was a wish list, right? I want to, I want to improve in the goalkeeper position, left back, centre forward, and I also want to improve that position if Hatati, McGregor, or O'Reilly are out. I don't think we've got that backup that's good enough quality, and I know we've got players who can step in and home Bernardo, Turnbull, even Awata. But I, I think in terms of quality, that's where I would like to do it. But if push comes to shove in, in January, Robbie, um, I think the board are going to say to Brendan Rodgers, you're not getting a new left back until we get rid of Bernabe because it costs us four million quid. I think that's going to be the situation. And I think the, the scenario will be the same with the goalie. Unless we get rid of Seagrist, because Bain's been given a new deal, even though the club never announced it, he was given a three-year extension. We're not going to bring in a third goalie. I, I totally get it. Up top... We're very, very thin on the ground. And I think that the midfield situation is the same. Probably Turnbull will be the man that, that moves on, and I do rate him. But up top, I think striker is a priority, particularly, Robbie, when it comes to the Asian Cup, January through to February as well. So if you're in doing the um, suggestions there, Jerry, two very, very good suggestions. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, right, I love the 12 Steps to Paradise, but this drinker, Taylor Sober Dry, is going to take a lot to beat. It's going mm. to take a lot to beat. Did you take a note of the... Su- suggest the suggestor's name. I didn't. Sorry, I was. And that's you're, compl- claiming, you're just claiming it. You're running with it. You're just I just stunned me that much. I didn't even check the name, but I, 
Are you, on, are you follow me on Twitter? Send me a thingy. Absolutely. I think that's a great that's a great shout. Um, Morky Orky, Celtic's paranoia. That's the book I was talking about earlier, uh, All in the Mind by Tom Campbell. You can get a paperback copy for £40.68. Just as well, there is only one copy. Otherwise, I might have been tempted to buy two. Um, the strange thing is with Amazon, and you'll find this yourself, Jerry. If, if one of your books ends up on there, it all comes down to uh, availability. So I've seen, like, and I've got screenshots of this. It's bizarre. My um, second book, what happened with that is the publisher went bust, which meant it only had one limited run, and it's never been republished. Therefore, there's not many of them out there, and uh, they change hands regularly for, like, 75 quid and all that. But the Amazon um, algorithm, I guess, is uh, pushed the price over a 1,000 quid for one of the books one time. Took a screenshot of it, just nuts. Um, so, yeah, Celtic Park, all that means really is there's not many books kicking about and then it, it adds on. I think maybe my Quality Street Gang one goes up to 45 quid from time to time. But on that note, um, because it's Black Friday, apparently, we've got a wee deal going on at the moment uh, in Axon Towers, which is basically this grey room. And <laughs> the deal is this. If you buy a Johan Mialbi ticket, which is for the 18th of December at Gracie's, you will get a free signed gift of your choice whilst stocks last. And it's things like signed prints of Chris Sutton or Charlie Mulgrew, Pierre Van Hoydonk, George Cadet, um, or one of my signed books. So, yeah, if you want to make that purchase, you can do it underneath this video. Johan Mialbi, few tickets left. But for the rest of today, if you buy a ticket, you get a free gift worth maybe 15 to 20 quid. Can I get a signed book? I've not got one of your books signed. I don't need to get my ticket. <laughs> no, of course you can. Stevie Kenny, um, that was me, Jerry. Uh, Jockass, you're welcome. So there you go. Big Stevie, thank you, Stevie. Stevie These are all inspiring. I'm telling you, inspiring. Right. I want to talk. There's a couple of things coming through. Brian Mitchell comes in uh, and mentioned the Alan Stubbs comments. If Celtic never challenged the SFA when a referee told Alan Stubbs during a Glasgow derby that he would never give Celtic a penalty in those games, they never will. Yeah, this is referring to the comments made fairly recently by Stubbsy. Um, you know, those amongst the fans of uh, our rivals think it was all set up because it was on the eve of a Glasgow derby and all this kind of stuff. Actually, when you look at the context of it, he's, a, he's on a podcast which is non-Scottish football related and it just happened to be a, a discussion point based on a decision that had happened down south and Stubbsy used this as an example and I don't even think he, he, he built it up, Jerry. Just, you know, he just told, told them this happened during the game once and they were astonished because obviously they're not part of Scottish football, they don't think that kind of thing happens, but it does. Mikey Boy just downloaded that, talking about the book as well. Tom Campbell will be delighted. I'm still in touch with Tom over in Canada. Uh, Plunge McNugget, if Stubbs was telling the truth, he should challenge those who say he's lying. Um, because I think what we found was, apparently, says Stephen, uh, the party line amongst the journals regarding Stubbs was he is telling lies. Or is he Telling lies. Yeah, exactly. That that was a narrative once once you speak up about it. Someone else has come in to say you've won all these trophies yet, you've moaning about bias against you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the underwater cabbage salesman, the Shamrock Shadow, he is back. He is back and his identity has been revealed. Alistair Park, listening <laughs> and watching live from Vienna. Best wishes to all axomers, especially Edwin Van der Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> By the way, that free kick you were talking about earlier, Jerry, the one that I hit with my old Adidas Predators, the goalkeeper was a bit suspect, to be fair. He was, but I think he was just obviously dazzled by the, the, the technique that you'd put into it. But I, I listen... I'm never taking criticism about not saving a free kick again. You just need to show that goalkeeper. But I, it was some free kick you hit me. You're a good player, you can tell. It wasn't as good as the curtains that I was sporting at that time. Uh, proper Sean Ryder 1990 style. VAR is just another way for the powers that be to show their bias to the team over the day. Hail, hail. Right, let's talk about Motherwell tomorrow then. So we're back from uh, international... Um, games and endeavours and Matt O'Reilly's come back with a big smile on his face he's now a full international cap for Denmark which is superb um, as James was telling us earlier Liam Scales continues his uh, progress you know playing well against a very very strong Netherlands front line and Nicky Johnson tails it up for Ireland who knows what's <laughs> going to happen when it comes back to Celtic let's start with the team then uh, Jerry. I think what we will see tomorrow is no surprises Joe Hart and goals with Johnston at right back Taylor at left back and the central defensive partnership of Carter Vickers and Scales. Now, someone in the comments rightly said, listen, you don't approach a game against Motherwell the same at home as you do Lazio away. I get it, and I, I absolutely get that. So there might be a tactical change just to, to work on the shape in match if the game is put to bed tomorrow. But I would certainly be starting with four at the back. Jerry, any um, discrepancies in there that you can see? Any changes you would make? No, I genuinely don't think that we'll see too many changes because there's been an, interna an international break. I don't see this as the time for like tinkering with the team. I think, it'll, like I say, it'll be a dress rehearsal who he's going to play against Lazio. Even though we're not going to, it won't be the same way that we approach the game, like you said. It's about getting more fitness into the players. Not so much fitness, but any rust for the ones that haven't been playing international duty just to get it out of their legs. I don't think we are consistent enough yet to be doing any of this types of tinkering or resting anyone. It's full on until January till we can get the squad that we need because, like I said, it's going to be a bit of a hurdle, a few hurdles on the way there. So, for me, I don't see many changes to the strongest team. No, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think it, it comes into the midfield and there's maybe a question in the midfield. Um, I think it'll be it home. I think it'll play home in the midfield. Right, so you're playing home, and I'll throw this one out to you as well, James. Tell me if you disagree with the defence, by the way, James. But um, do you play home because uh, going into the Lazio game, you're thinking defensive mid, and you're trying to shore it up in that respect? Because going into that Lazio game, I can't see us playing David Turnbull, for example. Obviously, he's opted to play Bernardo in a couple of the games. Um, how does he play it tomorrow uh, in terms of the, the midfield three? Um, I think Bernardo has really impressed me since he's came in probably more on the defensive side of his game more than what he's doing going forward. Um, obviously, I think it was in the Atletico Madrid game he the most, made the most pressures in the game, which is kind of closing down passing lanes. So defensively, Bernardo's definitely he's a really useful tool, especially in Europe. But I think you're at, you're at home to Motherwell. Motherwell are a decent side. Like they, obviously, back in September, it was a Matt O'Reilly winner that got us the win in the end. So there'll definitely, definitely be no pushovers in terms of how they're going to set up and stuff. They're some decent players and I, I think I'd probably rather have Holman there just for his kind of, his ability to find them passes in the final third. He's a very clever player, very good technically and I think that'll definitely be useful against Motherwell, which will be a, it'll be a low block tomorrow we'll be facing. So I think we'll need as many of them kind of players who can find them pass in the final third as we can. So for me, it'll probably be McGregor O'Reilly um O'Reilly and home and then you probably want to bring O'Reilly off maybe at half time if the game is if whatever way the game's going and 
have him rested for Lazio. But even even McGregor obviously had to played for Scotland over the international break. Does he need a rest? I know. I know he never really gets a rest, but um maybe we could be looking at him to come off for a water or something. Um not half time, but maybe sixty minute around, give him a rest because he's he plays an insane amount of games. I know you were saying earlier that he's in one of the seasons he played more games than Nat Phillips had in his whole career, which is, is mental and he's probably a guy that does deserve a rest, especially the last few games on the Tuesday, not the Wednesday, so we don't have that extra days days break. So um I think I'd I'd love to see McGregor kind of given half an hour off and let Awata play for thirty minutes because Awata's been good in cameos and um, he's definitely a useful option off the bench. But for me, yeah, it's McGregor, McGregor, Home, O'Reilly. Definitely, I think that's the three I'd like to see. Yeah, and the thing with McGregor, he's probably raging when he gets taken off with ten minutes to go. And as you say, I just try to give the guy some rest because the amount of football he's played is. Um, Incredible. Um, and then, again, with, with the wingers, I think at the moment, if there is such a thing, they kind of pick themselves just now with uh, Palma in such good form. Yang coming into a game. Um, and then up top, Kyogo, who uh, has returned to training. I could see him training in the, the pictures yesterday in Lennox Town. So, again, unless there really is one for my fixed on the Lazio game, I think we go as is. The only real question mark would be around that midfield position. Uh, Bernardo, Turnbull and home have all started games in the last month so it'll be interesting to see um, how Brennan Rogers treats that uh, Robert Little Stubbs needs to name the referee, right, I'm going to ask you what you think about this then, because there's certain things Jerry, like even in the world of media for example, since I started writing books, there's certain things, quite unsavoury things that have happened, right, for example and you might, you might mention them, you might hint at them, I don't think I would be comfortable naming the individual because you're opening a world of pain, both for yourself. You know, maybe privately you can say to people so that they can tread carefully if they're getting involved in a, a particular deal, for example. But I think naming them, is it necessary, Jerry? I think maybe privately you could, but publicly? What do you think? Nah, no, I'm not into that. Like, how many years ago has it happened? And the referee, are they still alive? What's their family like? Is it going to upset them for a mistake or something that they've said? How many years ago? I don't think going down that route is going to help. And then it'll just open up other doors to uh, who's lying and who's not. Ah, I believe it. He's, the, the thing you've got to look at is Alan Stubbs had absolutely no reason no. to come out with that if it wasn't true. He was going to gain what? Nothing. It wasn't. It was on an English podcast. It was just total. He was just telling the truth to these guys. There's no reason for it. So I totally believe it. But it just it raises more awareness. But one, I'd love to see like a panorama type thing. I'm hoping somebody's been involved like for the past couple of years, you know what I mean? Dressed as some kind of mad chic or something like that undercover. You know? <laughs> We've seen it happen before. Aye, aye. These are the things like, you know, name and shame. I, I want to know their names. What then happens is you could be creating a situation for an individual if he, if he is still with us, Jerry, that could get a bit hairy. So oh, I think Stubbsy's mentioned it. And he's maybe taken a wee step back after it and thought, right, I've thrown it out there, cat amongst the pigeons. I really don't want to see it through because he's not, you know, affiliated to a specific club as as we sit here right now. He doesn't have a job, you know. So, you know, it's one of the ones where if he then, you know, tries to get an interview for a job and they're like, wait a minute. So he's maybe taken a step back from it. I've heard a lot of things during our live events, Jerry, that would never be repeated on a podcast or, yeah. or, or committed to tape. Um, and, and that's why I, I found it quite surprising that Stubbs, he said that I would expect him to say that 
at a Celtic event where everybody's there because, you know, in the nature, in the true nature of being in a room of Celtic fans where you can all speak freely, nobody's filming you to try and put it on the socials. But yeah, it's out there. He said it. Um, and I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair to say because he's not named them that he's made the story up. So Paul McLean comes in. If Stubbs doesn't name the ref, then he's made it up. I don't think that's fair. Because there are situations, Paul, which are multifaceted why you wouldn't name an individual. You can put it out there as an example and you add credibility by saying this was a game and I was playing for this team. You don't have to... But listen, internally, privately, if something has to be done, yes, you name them in that respect. You don't have to come out and do it publicly. Uh, that's my take on it anyway. So there we go. Thank you, every single one of you, for getting involved. If you want to win a free signed gift by a Celtic legend like Chris Sutton um, or John Collins, who has got a couple of newfound fans and Jerry and I, and a few others, Charlie McGrew's in there as well, or even a book, and I'm not saying that they're signed by a Celtic legend, they're just signed by the guy who scribbled them, which was me. Then you can buy a ticket for Johan Mialbi. Next 25 tickets because it's Black Friday will be given a free signed gift. Thank you, every single one of you, for getting involved. I've really enjoyed that. And thank you once again to James French and Jerry Taylor for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Podcast Network.